Hey everybody, this is Joey B, and you are listening to Knowledge This Degree, hosted by me, Joey B, here on Blind Knowledge. Okay, we're reading Alien Caveman's Ransom. I think today is what, chapter 13 and 14. Summary so far. Sophia, okay, crash landed, alien planet, met Jackson. He's sexy. She kind of wants to do it, but she hasn't yet. Uh, no women on the planet except for the six who were dropped in this area. The area that they've been dropped on, so they have like a little pod, uh, is sacred. So Jackson will not come in there. That's become an issue because she's like, come up and help my friends and save us. And then he's like, nah, I'm not going to like desecrate my religion for you. We're not that close yet. She's like, but I got a sweet ass. She literally, uh, you might think I'm making a joke. She's literally is like getting him to check out her ass, hoping that would like lure him in. Did not work. So Jackson has more integrity than that. Kind of appreciate that on my friend there. Good, good job, buddy. Chapter 13, Caveman Aliens Ransom, a sci-fi BBW alien faded mate's romance, Caveman Aliens Book 1. I think we're at, I have no idea where we are. We're, we're getting close to the halfway point, if not more. Okay, so Sophia. I last time I did this, I was doing voices. I've already forgotten whose voice is whose. So I could try to do voices each time, but I can't promise consistency within the voices I do. Just so you know what's going on. Caroline walks over to the fire I'm tending and reaches out her wooden cup. So here's an interesting thing. Have they made these cups? So actually just make sure I... uh, Sorry, I just want to check that I haven't like jumped. Yeah, yeah, Jackson just had an idea. He walked away. Okay, so I am on the right right page. They've only been there at the la- end of the last chapter for a few days. So not even like a full week. So have they taken time to carve out a wooden cup? How long does that take? Do they have tools? Have they made tools? So they came here with a single gun and no weapons, nothing else. So you can't use a gun. I guess you could use a gun to carve out a bowl. It'd be hard, but I guess it could be done. (laughs) Okay. So already the implication that she has a wooden cup means they've created tools and started, you know, carving necessities for them. Caroline walks over to the fire I'm tending and reaches out her wooden cup. Looks like someone put fresh flowers on Elysia's grave again, but no one knows anything about it. New flowers every day this week. Maybe some of the locals... Want to remember her. Got any more of that tea? Sure. I pour the rest of it into her cup. She slurps happily. Thanks. It's not twinings, but it's okay. The jokes or the the the, the, the one-liners, I don't know what the ladies say in this are always really lame. The story is not bad. I've actually been enjoying the story. The interactions, the vocalizations of all the characters have been pretty poor. 
I dialogue is is really where if I was going to give any recommendation to this author, work on more natural dialogue so people are actually saying things that sound like people. The tea is hot water with an infusion of some Swedish leaves we found that Delia seemed deemed probably not too toxic for limited consumption. We all crave coffee, but there is none here. And just slurping something that tastes less than terrible satisfies a little bit of that craving. I have the feeling it's good for us to be able to relax too and not just scramble to stay alive. But natural dialogue is probably the hardest thing (laughs) <laughs> okay the the statement because you need a friend to actually know that is a hundred percent correct i think that is absolutely true i i think even if you have friends it's hard to do natural dialogue well carrie fisher princess leia was her main job was not acting after she finished star wars she was called a script doctor this is one of the more interesting things i found out about her uh she she punched up dialogue she made dialogue sound more natural seriously seriously I wrote a bunch of never felt natural i understand that i do a lot of writing too i think one of the problems is often writers will write stuff and they have an idea of what they need to say so they say it that isn't how people actually communicate. People are sloppy and lazy and confused when they say stuff. And then you have to write that and then write sort of a secondary feeling like a descriptive internal dialogue to flesh out what they were trying to say. Or you could go the completely other way and just like write actual dialogue with no extra to help anyone understand. And if you do that, then people have to like be interpretive in the way they, they think. I'm, I'm writing a thing. I'm almost finished. I should not talk about it till I'm done. I'm writing a choose-your-own-adventure. The dialogue's supposed to be stupid and funny. That's kind of what I do. But more than anything else, uh, the dialogue is minimal. And that makes it almost, I hope, better. Anyways, we're going to get back to our alien caveman story. <laughs> I, can see, I can see the chat now, though, so that's better. Okay, uh, I could just stop. Yeah, I'd just stop and get people in chat and talk about writing for a while. That should be super fun. So we all crave coffee. We're having something. Uh, it's better than scrambling to stay alive. We had a good first week or so trying to make our little colony work. Turns out we have some talents that we didn't even know. Amelia has taught herself to weave baskets and does so. <laughs> It'd be weird to to find out you could weave baskets and then refuse to do it. Well, Caroline is good at using rocks to hollow out, hollow out pieces of wood. Okay, so, all right, well, let, let's get at least two, three paragraphs in before I start making comments. That's how she made cups for us. And now she's experimenting with making pots, with making pots from clay. Aurora remembered that boiling water can, only, can be done by placing hot rocks into it. Heidi has been able to make fire using her glasses as a lens, and now we can cook the things we find that we hope we can eat which is mainly berries and fruit. There's no fish in the stream that we can see. The stream had psychoactive properties. So if you ate fish from the stream, it would also have psychoactive properties, I assume. And that could be particularly dangerous because the fish living in it, they'd be like steeped in it. So it'd almost be worse. I'm just making stuff up. I don't know if that's true. 
There's no fish in the stream that we can see. We still suck at throwing spears at animals, and none of us are keen on eating insects. If we were, we'd have no problem staying nourished, because there's a lot of creepy crawly things around here. Also problematic, because a lot of things you, you can and cannot eat, they have to be prepared properly. Um, I have had chocolate-covered ants. Ants and bees are fine to eat, which is interesting. You don't actually have to do anything. Other things have to be like fried or cooked or something. We found a way to bathe in the stream that isn't too dangerous as long as we don't wade out too far. Anyway, we found a way a way to bathe in the stream that isn't too dangerous as long as we don't wade out too far. So we're able to stay reasonably clean. And I've been looking out for plants that might have medicinal use. And many herbs have... Fi- and many herbs I f- find... I'm struggling to speak. And many herbs I find have a nice and wholesome smell, so I experiment with some of them. The girls and I can keep getting little scratches and cuts when we go out in our Stone Age business. And the one antiseptic herd I found is very promising. No infected wounds so far. Uh, Boiled water, wash them out, actually already pretty good. But our spirits are not as high as that first day when we decided to create our own colony here. So they've created a colony. So it's a little backstory from the previous chapters. They've met one local, Jackson, who actually went down on the main girl while she was unconscious. Little creepy. She woke up and was into it. Also a little creepy. So a little creepy on both sides. Uh, he took... Sophia, the main character, back to where the other girls were and they had to make a decision. Should they stay there and try to survive or should they go to the colony of only men? Actually, she's probably about to explain that in the next paragraph. This is the problem. I want everyone to be caught up if they're actually going to listen to this. But our spirits are not as high as that first day when we decided to create our own colony here. Partly it's the lack of food and partly it's because each day passing it becomes less probable that the aliens that abducted us will come back and take us home. That is a logical assumption. If you're abducted from your planet and taken to another planet and dropped there, it's very unlikely anyone's going to come back and bring you home. Like, what's the point? So right now, the best we can reasonably hope for is at some point we'll be accepted into by Jackson's tribe. You're not going to be accepted by Jackson's tribe if you're in a sacred area that Jackson's tribe is not supposed to enter. You've broken a bunch of rules just by just existing there in the first place. Most of the girls don't find that a particularly happy vision of their future. I don't either. But it doesn't get me down as much as the other ones. First of all, I know Jackson, and they don't. I've felt his arm around me, and I've seen his relaxed and confident way of handling all the dangers here. I feel that his tribe might be a good one. Well, you're basing the tribe off one person. That's actually not a good sample size. And also, I think it has something to do with me committing to being a happy-go-lucky one after those false starts I had. I make sure that I try to stay optimistic. Say, oh, I try to make, I make sure that, god damn it, I seem to be really struggling speaking. I've, I've already done one podcast this morning. Maybe it's too many words in one go. I make sure that I try to say optimistic things and smile and even whistle as I do the simple tasks that we need to do to keep our colony running. It's weird. Even if I don't really feel that all that optimistic to start with, forcing myself to smile and be cheerful works in a chasing away the worst depressive feelings. I guess the fake it till you make it idea has some merit. But yeah, I'm not mindlessly thinking that all this will work out okay. It kind of seems like it won't right now. Our clothes are dirty, we're always hungry, we're always afraid of the dinosaurs and the not-dactyls, and we're scared to venture too far from the tuna can. The tuna can is the pod they were dropped in on. Every time we try nibbling on a new plant, we think it might be edible, we know it might actually just kill us. I'm adding in words now. 
The dew water we're able to collect at dawn only lasts until about noon, and we're trying not to drink too much from that stream. It feels good for the first hours, but then we get depressed and feel hopeless. Again, the psychoactive uh, aspect of it. But the food is the main problem. We're doing our best, and we're resourceful. In a jungle on Earth, where we wouldn't have to worry about dinosaurs and huge centipedes, we'd probably have survived for months, but it's becoming clear that we're not going to make it, make it like this. One morning, Delia and I go for, for another exploration walk in the direction of Juxan's cave. I'm drawn to it because I think he might be there, and I've missed him every day since I crossed the boundary into this place, and he stayed on the other side. I miss the safety he exuded, and his strong arms, and his calm mastery of this wild planet, and a strange part of me regrets that I didn't try to seduce him. I suspect he might be good. Arrrr. I pick up a dry twig... I was going to say something really gross. I pick up a dry twig and toss it away, making sure not to make too much noise. How do you think this is going with the colony and all? Delia takes a while answering. We're in a dip. Absolutely. I have flashes of those little bowls of spicy sauces to dip potato chips into. My mouth instantly starts watering and I have to swallow before I can speak. It takes nothing to set off that right now. The dip? All new projects have a dip. First, there's the honeymoon period where things go okay, and then after a while you start to see the problems you're actually facing. You lose motivation, and the task can seem hopeless. That's the dip. I nod wisely, and that's when you quit. Delia thinks again. That's when you are better able to see if the project is actually going to work. Now you know what you're up against. Before you start, you don't really know. In the dip, you can make a decision about whether to keep going or cut your losses and go for another project. I shift the alien spear to the other hand. It's surprisingly heavy. Should we cut our losses? Just try to find Jackson and see if he has even has a tribe? Delia likes taking long breaks each... Okay, let me start again. Delia likes taking long breaks between each time she talks. I like that. She's taking the time to think about the problems. The way things are going, I think we should consider finding allies. We can stay alive here for a couple of weeks but we've eaten almost all the fruit that grows close to the tuna can. We have some problems finding even water. Some of the animals are becoming brave and are coming too close. This forest is a dangerous place to be, and if we leave it for too long, we might be too weak to find the tribe. I notice our work days are getting shorter all the time. I toss another twig away. I've been thinking the same thing. We can do both. We can make our colony work a week. We can do both. We can make our colony work and at the same time see if we can find Jackson again. We won't need to go to his tribe, probably. Just need him. If he can help us hunt and show us some things, I'm pretty sure we can keep going. It will be dangerous, Delia says, because of course he's, she's miles ahead of me. Alone in the woods, take the gun. I think this mission might be crucial for all of us. She takes the little black gun out of her pocket and hands it over. I wait in my hand. We've still not fired a single shot with it, and I'd like to keep it that way. I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, and I'm surprised Delia has too. Of course, I have to go alone. Sending two of us out into the jungle means risking two lives instead of one. I have very little chance of surviving, but Delia is too tactful to, to say it. Actually, this is all pretty true and pretty accurate. We stop on the ridge right outside the boundary of pebbles. I stick the gun in my pocket. What will you tell the others? Oh, just the truth. We need to help, and we need the help, and you went to find it. I look around. I hate to leave the girls both for the companionship and for my own safety. But if anyone is going to find Jackson, it has to be the one he already knows and maybe even already kind of likes. See, all of this stuff, we are in chapter 13. 
she keeps leading us back to the sexual tension, but without actual any sexual attention. So far, the only actual sexual interaction has been uh, non-consensual. Accepted after the fact, but non-consensual nonetheless. I'll try something first, I say, as I fill my lungs with alien air and I yell, Jackson! I do it three times, one minute apart. He might not be within earshot. The trees really dampen the reach of my voice, but if he can hear me, he'll know that I want his help. It'll be his decision. I look around. At least he wasn't hiding behind a nearby tree. He can move pretty fast. I'll give it one hour. If he's not here by then, I'll go. I have some idea where he might be. Delia nods. I think I saw a new kind of berries over there. I'll go check them out. Good luck. She turns around and walks into the woods. She was never much of a hugger. Were you expecting a hug? I mean, she's just like, all right, bye. Get to work. I kind of like Delia better than everyone else so far. I stand in the shadow of a tall tree and look around, hoping to see a Jurassic warrior come towards me with long strides and a confident smirk on his alien face. But the hour passes, and it's still just me. I take a deep breath and feel the bulk of the gun in my pocket. It doesn't make me feel safe. I start walking. All right, so she's going to go find... I actually... I forget what my predictions were. I have to actually go back and listen to my own episodes and remember my predictions. Um, I did predict that he was not going to cross the boundary for her. Uh, and and they, they do have to bring the ladies down to the tribe sooner or later for their survival. And I think that's where the kidnapping and ransom will come in. Thus the name of the book. I want to go straight back to the cave where I almost drowned. It's the only place I know where he might be. I know it's far, but it's also mostly downhill. I'm scared and I regret this whole thing. What do I do if a flock of Noctectal shows up? Or a Sophiosaurus? Or one of those huge things that attack the weird giant dino? I have no idea how to deal with them. I guess I'll try to shoot them? The most of them are too big. I really can't miss. But I have this feeling this little gun won't, won't make much of an impact on giant dinosaurs. And I don't know how far I can throw this spear. A huge flying insect comes zooming straight for me and its wings are so huge its buzz sounds like a giant bass guitar. It looks like a dragonfly. All bright colors and spears and tentacles. I yelp and direct the spear towards it but it's heavy and hard to handle and I get it between my legs and it trips me up. <laughs> Actually, that's quite good that she's clumsy with the spear. I follow my face and just avoid the insect as it buzzes overhead. I turn around onto my back and struggle to get the gun out of my pocket, but it's entangled in the fabric of my jeans. I can't get it out. I know guns don't just go off when you drop them like they do in TV and movies and stuff, but I actually wouldn't want it in my pocket if I was, like, gonna fall down and stuff. Dragonfly is the size of a seagull and just hangs in the air for a moment, waving what I'm sure is its stinger in my face. It, then it turns around and continues on its way, its deep buzzy slowly getting weaker. I sob once, then I get back on my feet. Shit. If that thing had wanted to sting me, I'd have no chance to ward it off. Actually, fair. That's actually true of most. I take the gun into my head. You're not going to shoot it, though. You're not going to shoot the dragonfly. Because I assume if you're not good with a gun, you've never shot a gun before, and then you can't hit anything. I could never shoot someone with a gun because I would never be able to hit them because I've never practiced with a gun. You need to practice. That's the first thing. I take the gun into my hand. If I trip, it might end up accidentally shooting myself. Oh, she just had the same thought I had. But that spear isn't much good as a defense. Still, I keep it instead of tossing it away. Maybe seeing it will make the dinosaurs less interested in murdering me. I keep looking around me, and I can feel the tears are not too far away. 
This is a desperate thing to do. Any minute now, one of those centipedes could come crawling from me out of the bushes, or a noctactyl could come swooping down. They need to get more of the animals involved. This is a whole ecosystem, and she's only ever talked about three things now. Or some other horror like the dragonfly could suddenly show itself. I hate this, I see, and then slap my hand over my mouth to make me shut up. I do not want to attract anything. The trees are tall and create a canopy that the sun rarely breaks through. On the one hand, that's fine because that sun is hot. On the other hand, it's dark as twilight down here and I'm where I'm walking and it's hard to keep a lookout in all directions at once. The jungle is full of noises, some of them pretty scary and I'm pretty highly strung. I want to aim for the cave where I first met Jackson, but I've taken a wrong turn because I don't remember this place, but all I can do is keep going. When something finally gets me, I don't even see it before I know when something finally gets me, I don't even see it before I, all I know is that I'm horizontal and being carried a couple of feet off the ground. I'm being held in someone's mouth side, huh? I'm being held in someone's mouth sideways and face down. I think you mean something. All I can see are claws like a chicken, except these are more blue than yellow, and there are eight long talons on each. The stench from the creature makes me wretch. It's like a little primate house in a zoo, just much worse. I can turn enough to see... Well, okay, wait. Why wouldn't it kill you first? I guess this is not going to kill her because it would have just eviscerated her from the get-go. So this is like a trained animal. I can turn enough to see an eye. It's a slitted orange eye that looks back impressively as the creature runs along, bounds across the ground between the bushes. Something has snatched me, snatched me in its jaws. Something big, but it's only holding me firmly enough to keep me there. It's not trying to snap me in half. That may be good news, or bad, but I can move a little. A strange calm comes over me. I'm in the jaws of a dinosaur, and that means I'm practically dead. There's nothing more to lose. I reach for the gun. There's an intense pain from my shoulder as it chafes against my captor's teeth, but I don't care anymore. I keep reaching until I have the hard object in my hand, then I try to pull it out of the mouth. The creature's teeth are cutting my arm, and I scream, and I feel that it will rip my arm bad if I pull it out more. My hand and the gun are stuck inside the creature's mouth. The creature suddenly stops, and then there's an unpleasant screeching nearby. I groan in pain as the pressure from the huge jaws increase. Ah, that's its nest. There are giant... Oh, it's going to feed him, feed Sophia, to its young. That's awesome. There are giant broken eggs with translucent shells that recently hatched dinosaurs. They look like birds, except they're much larger, and they have teeth. Very large and sharp teeth. I can tell because I can see straight down into their gapes as they scream for food. That food for me. I am so locked in now. The last couple chapters, I have to admit, I've been losing a little bit of interest. It just hasn't been that intense. Get it. I know she's going to survive, but getting fed to babies is pretty awesome. Fine. The gun is still a little inside my captor's mouth, but I aim it away from myself and then pull the trigger as many times as I can. Whoa! You don't have... That much ammo, girl. The bangs are very satisfying and the gun jumps in my hand. The smell from the spent gunpowder is strangely soothing. It reminds me of fireworks on the 4th of July and New Year's Eve back on Earth. Finally, something that's not totally alien. A little slice of home at the end of my life. The dinosaur jaw squeezes me harder. The world goes silent and black and white and then recedes from me very fast. I grin. At least I got a reaction. Don't fuck with Earth, I say out loud for some reason. And then I remember no more. That is easily... Okay, I've, I shit on this writer. Fucking the cliffhangers are awesome. 
almost everyone, we're on chapter 13, 14 now. Almost every cliffhanger at the end of every chapter has been great. There's only like two or three that are not very good. And they're usually just bridges to the next chapter anyways. So she's been picked up by a dinosaur that wanted to feed her live to the dinosaur babies. She shot off into its mouth, which I assume means into its head. Or maybe it's done no damage at all. I'll be very interested to see what happens next. Uh, And then she goes unconscious. Chapter 14, of course, we have switched perspective to our hero, Jackson. I snap around as I hear the echo of five sharp bangs in quick succession thunder across the valley. I have never heard anything like that here on Zren. Logic then dictates that it's an alien sound made by an alien. Uh, by Sophia? I was stalking a big, bigs or dinosaurs, that I suspected was went on, was on its way to Boone. Boone is the uh, sacred area where the ladies are held up to check out the newcomers, but now my priorities have changed. I draw my sword and run through the underbrush, swinging the blade to clear my path. This terrain is favored by a type of big that runs fast and likes to feed its young living meat. Ah! We are on the same page! And they are among the most dangerous bigs on the planet. They're fast and can move very silently through the forest. Indeed, some of my own scars are as a result of stumbling across a nest when I was only a teenager. I have respected them a lot since then. There are no more bangs, but I know exactly where they came from. My hunter's instincts are honed by a life of surviving here and killing other beings that have been here for much longer than we humans. Huh? No. Jackson is not a human. Jackson has, like, a cat face and teeth and weird skin stuff. He's not human. Okay, so he's calling himself human even though he's not. Uh, We're just going to accept it. We have to just accept a lot of stuff. I hear unmistakable screeching of the smell of the nest gets stronger, and I crash through more bushes, holding my sword ready to chop into its owner before they can bite me in half. And there it is, a rech nest, with a newly hatched brood of rechs. They're already the size of a grown man, and half of each of one is just a large mouth that can hinge open to an obscene degree. One adult rech lies on the ground and underneath. My heart freezes as I realize it looks a lot like the garment Sophia wore on her lower body, and the footwear too. I roar in anger and fear, and with the strength I didn't know I had, I lift the rear of the enormous wreck and toss it away. There is Sophia, pale and bleeding and unspeakably beautiful. (laughs) Dude, okay, he has lived his entire life with no women. He is horny. I'm willing to accept it. This isn't just like virgin horny when you're 16, 17. This is virgin horny in your 30s. And he's like... A chock full of testosterone male too. So I'm allowing it. It's gross, but understandable gross. The newly hatched wrecks screech terribly and I have a mind to chop their heads off, but they're too young to harm me and useless revenge was never the way of the warrior. I just bend down to lift Sophia into my arms. You should actually take the wreck and eat it if it's edible. I mean, I don't know, but it's already dead, so you might as well. And then aren't those babies just going to die anyways with no mom? think we got other issues if you're going to live the way of a warrior she's still warm and she's breathing and the bleeding isn't too bad but being squeezed in the jaws of a wreck and then surviving is unheard of she's made of strong stuff this alien woman of mine he's claimed her already she has dropped an alien object of some sort a black device that smells strangely i gently pick it up and place it in my bag and then i carry her away from the nest quickly i worry some other wreck will come along and take us both when carrying her i can't easily get my sword 
I would have placed her over my shoulder and carry her like one might carry a slaughtered small, small is like a little dinosaur, uh, but that seems undignified for her, and I worry that she may have been injured inside by the wreck. He's carrying, he's carrying her like I assume cradle style because she might have internal injuries. This guy, Jackson's awesome. I actually quite, yeah, he's he's you know efficient and I yeah, he's my hero. After a little while, we come to a clearing I recognize and where I've never seen any bigs. They dislike the smell from the black and sticky pool not so far away. Here I can't be surprised by any creature. I lay her down and check her properly. No bones appear to be broken, but she has bruises and cuts where the wreck gripped her. I have to take off all her clothes to check it out, but right now I feel no arousal. Oh, at seeing her female shape. Only worry and care. That's nice! Yeah, he's taking off her clothes, but he's like, I'm not horny, I want to take care of my woman. My woman... Seeing this wonderful body again, uh, wounded, uh, sorry. Seeing this wonderful body wounded pains me. I carry healing herbs in my bag and I crush them to make a paste that will clean the wounds. The blue bruises where the wreck squeezed her will heal in time, but I must be gentle with her. The herbs fill the air with fresh, wholesome scent and I make sure she is lying comfortably. Then I quickly erect (laughs) my traveling (laughs) tent. I think I'm the horniest one here. I can't. Okay, whatever. Uh, where are we? We're at the erect. I, then I quickly erect my traveling tent beside her. I almost said inside her. It's all Freudian now. I'm sorry. The fabric has been soaked in the sticky black fluid from the pool, much like the one we're close to now, and I can be sure that no big will come here. I hold her head in my lap and stroke her hair as gently as I can, feeling a strange peace come over me. Her head feels heavy and her hair is smooth. The heat from her body is soothing. She smells feminine and the roundness of her body is luxurious and even decadent to me. If this is the mother as the prophecy states, then that's well and good. If it's not, she's still mine. She doesn't care uh, whether he fulfills the religious prophecy of the woman coming and then like being a breeding thing. He loves her for who she is. Despite oh, we're at the end. Oh, uh, oh, that has been thirty minutes. So I am going to stop there because uh, the podcast any more than thirty minutes is, gets a bit much for people watching. Um, all right. So prediction. He's holding her. He's being loving. He's not sexually assaulting her while she's unconscious. So this is a step up for Jackson. I think by the end of the next chapter will be our first actual intimate love scene. I think what's going to happen is she's going to wake up, realize she's with Jackson again, be really happy, realize she's naked, go, oh, no, he's done terrible things, but then realize he hasn't done terrible things, which makes her go, oh, he is the man for me because he doesn't rape me while I'm unconscious. Uh, and then she's, she's going to do it. So I, I, my prediction, chapter, what is it, chapter 15? Chapter 15 is going to be when they actually do it in the stinky tent. I will have to uh, name the next episode Stinky Stinky Tent Sex.